So, what's going on? Just got a new shirt today. A new We're shirt fine. in the house? We're fine. Everything is fine. You Did look I like just... everything is fine. I look like everything. I got a blowout this morning, so everything is very fine <laughs> but your eyes are bulging and uh, your hair is flaring up. this is how I really feel this is how I look <laughs> so we were talking about this idea of pleasantries mm-hmm. how people always say like hey how's it going how are you mm-hmm. and everyone's got their canned response which is like oh it's good I'm good how are you mm-hmm. what would it look like if people stopped doing that and actually answered honestly Wow. I mean, we would have a lot more real conversations with one another, probably. Um, I've found that most people want to match the person in front of them. So if a person is actually having a really good day and the person in front of them is not, the person who's having a good day will match the person's feelings who's not because they feel bad about saying, well, I'm actually having a good day. I'm feeling good. So we should be honest. We should be honest. I mean, people where they're at. But it's funny because people don't. They're even if they're having a really crappy day, they're like, "I'm good." Yeah. What is good? I think it's a. I think we have pleasantries as a society, right? And it's just like how we greet people. It's hey, how are you? What's going on? Everyone has their like response to it. But sometimes I think that we're living in a world lacking authenticity because we're programmed to always answer accordingly. And I always do wonder what the world would look like if we dropped the pleasantries, in a sense, and our canned responses and answered things authentically. That would be... How we would be received. A really interesting world we live in because we would actually have to not only be honest with other people, but we would have to be honest with ourselves. So mm, we're probably most of the time we're not honest with ourselves as to how we are feeling. And that's... Um, that's probably because we're scared of actually, you know, sharing our responses with other people. Do you think that when you answer to someone, I'm good, Mm -hmm. but inside you don't feel good, Mm -hmm. that it makes it worse because you said you were good, but you weren't? Yes and no. I mean, let's, let's look at this. Sometimes we just don't want to talk about our problems with other people. So, I mean... You know, if you're just like going and passing, you're not just going to like open up and tell your whole life. But it would be nice to, you know, just kind of like, you know what? I'm not having a good day today, but I'm okay. I'll be all right. And just kind of like move forward because you, when we say things out loud of what we're actually feeling in our body, it makes it real. And we're actually pushing it out of our body rather than keeping it in. That's why therapy is so important. Because when we're in therapy, and us therapists, we encourage our patients to say things out loud, you know, to talk about things. Because most of the things that are hurtful in our life are just so hard to say out loud because it makes it real. So even just a simple, hey, how are you? And you responding, you know, I'm not really having such a good day, but I'll be okay. That's actually what happened today when we were driving. And you were like, I was like, how are you? And you were like, actually, I'm not having a good day, (laughs) but I'll be all right. I'm not a good actress, though. I honestly am pretty, I I will tell people like just that I mean like, oh, I'll be like, it's okay. (laughs) That's my way of saying like, it's not my day. Uh, Because 
I don't know. I just think, I think to move forward in the world to create authenticity mm-hmm. and for us to bring more compassion alive and empathy, mm-hmm. we should try to meet people where they're at. I'm not saying go out there, oh, I'm having a terrible day and like explode on people emotionally. But what it, what would the world look like if we actually did go out saying, you know, today's not my day. I'm having a hard time. And someone was like, I'm really sorry to hear that. You know, I'm going to yeah. be thinking about you and I'm going to hope that, you know, you get through whatever you're going through and that tomorrow is a better day. We would probably have more people with empathy. We'd have like a way nicer world. Yeah. People are absolutely. afraid to reveal themselves is what I gather. Well, I mean, let's look at for instance, things that we fail in, right? We, most people are afraid of failure. And I've learned that a lot more people are afraid of success, which is crazy, right? So they self-sabotage themselves. But let's look at failure, for instance. So most people don't take chances on other people or on other things in their life because they're afraid of failing, which kind of makes you think, well... As parents, for those of us who are parents, how are we teaching our children to deal with their failures, which is being authentic with themselves, right? As to, well, I didn't really do a good job there. And I'm going to be honest with myself. It wasn't my best performance. I failed. What am I going to learn from this? So I think there's a chunk of self-empathy and um, being real with ourselves that is missing in the parenting realm of things in terms of like teaching your child how to be authentic with themselves even at their worst moments you know so Mm -hmm. I'm a I mean in my parenting and I never look forward to my kids failing but as we've moved into the uh Mm -hmm. sports arena (laughs) oh my favorite (laughs) I'm now I'm getting you know oh well we're not going to win every game and Mm -hmm. we're going to lose sometimes and I now sort of secretly, in a weird way, look forward to having my kids w- move through those experiences mm-hmm. of like, oh, we, we lost today, but we're still okay. And being able to tolerate their failures. I think a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that piece. It's we're not going to acknowledge the hard times, the failures. We really want to only tout and glorify the successes which yeah. are actually fewer and far between. I think we fail more than we succeed, if I'm being honest. Totally. I mean, yeah, but there's like this few years ago, I think we were still in grad school actually when it came out where um, it was like soccer teams or little kids softball teams. And they were like, well, everyone's a winner. No, not everyone is a winner. Because the way we learn is by losing and winning. And we actually learn more from losing and failing. Because if you're constantly a winner, then what are you working on? So I was um, reading up on this whole, like, everyone's a winner. Just try. Just give it your all. And you're all good. Just show up, basically. And everybody gets a trophy. And I was talking to one of the clinical psychologists there whose child is in one of those teams. Um where she was like, it's great because they get performance anxiety and, and this way they know that they're going to win and they're going to be okay. And I looked at her and I said, that's really interesting because you're basically setting your child up for a very unrealistic you know, um, experience in the real world. Um, and I told her, I was like, don't you think that's more of your anxiety that you just can't fathom the thought of your child losing? 
or the feelings that accompany that loss, right? Yeah. You know, there's going to be some hard emotions associated with that loss. And a lot of parents we find deal with it. don't want to deal with it. The eruptive tantrumy cries. Yeah. Uh, they don't yeah. want to see their kid upset. And and I get that piece. As a as a parent, you don't ever want to see your kid upset. Mm-hmm. But if we don't work through those upsets and we don't support them through that, then they're not going to be prepared for life. Yeah, but it's also not about you. Your right. child's performance in their sports is not about you. You have to let them have their experience, right? So that's what I was trying to tell her. I was like, you need to step out of your ego. Just because your child's team lost by two points does not mean you're a horrible parent. So it goes much deeper than the child losing the game, you know. But then you have the healthy parents where they're like, well, you lost, you know, what can we learn from this and how can we make ourselves better, which is really nice. But I can see it hurting the ego of the parent because everybody wants to win. Nobody wants to lose. But how do we then move forward in our life and deal with the failures of like people, for instance, abandoning us or failing in our relationships and failing at work or failing a test or, you know, um, getting sick and not being able to, God forbid, you know, move forward with the way we thought our life could be or should be or I mean, I thought I would be married by 30 and have three kids by now. That didn't work out. Do I consider myself as a failure? No. But do I feel as though sometimes that I could have done things different? Yeah. So I'm looking back at my life and saying, what could I have done different? And how can I apply those differences now into my life now so that I don't continue to make those mistakes? So whether you want to call it failure or I didn't succeed in what I wanted to achieve to be 30 with three kids, I don't know. But either way, I just didn't get to my goal. It's interesting, though, because the way we define success may need to be reevaluated to some extent. So to me... Like, even if my kids lose the soccer game, right? Mm -hmm. We got up, we had breakfast, we got to the field, you know, we played the game to the best of our ability, right? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm speaking in we, like, as if I'm out there. My child did all of these things, but I helped them get there. Mm -hmm. And and we finished the game, and we drank our uh, smoothie at the end, and we are together as a family, Mm -hmm. and we didn't win. But maybe we still succeeded, because yeah. we tried our best, we got there, and we did it. Yeah. And so maybe that is succeeding to some extent. Maybe we should redefine that. You don't have to win the game to still have successes mm-hmm. in those experiences. along the way. And even in the failures, sometimes, like, you know, I hear people say, like, my marriage ended yeah. and we're getting divorced. But I look at my marriage as a success overall. Because we were together for 20 years. Mm-hmm. We had beautiful children. We uh, we did a lot together. We accomplished a lot as a couple. Mm-hmm. And even though we're no longer going to be together and we're parting ways, I look mm-hmm. at the marriage as a success, even though the ending is divorce. So it's all in your perception of how you see things clearly. Looking at a few things that, I mean, but that also comes, I think, with your experiences and the way you were raised and or, you know, maybe you weren't raised that way, but then throughout your experiences in life, you realize, well, I'm not failing in life, you know? It's just things work out differently, and maybe I should become more flexible with the things that are happening in my life. So let's kind of look at relationships, right? Because most people have 
more failed relationships than any other thing in their life probably and we've all had quote failed relationships or what we would consider relationships that didn't succeed however you want to word it it's just sad to kind of look at your life because one of the most important thing in our life is our relationship that we have with our partner right I mean you can have all the money in the world but if you don't have anybody to share it with what's the point like what are you doing Mm -hmm. you have a big house you have money you have this you have that you travel but you're alone so that connection between two people is probably the or is the most important thing I mean we can look at all those psychology studies there are I don't think any of them say you've succeeded when you end up alone in your life mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can do whatever you want. Or anyone on their deathbed says, you yeah, know, I, I wish, wish I, I hadn't alone. associated with so many people or had so many relationships. <laughs> you know. And look, can you're you right. Most, yeah, most of them aren't. Go- I mean, a lot of them aren't going to work out. Yeah. And maybe we should paradigm shift that, too, to the idea of as every I guess you want to call it failure or every ending of a relationship is an opportunity for a beginning or or for else. a lesson right yeah. it's the idea of like well that didn't work out why didn't that look why didn't that work out yeah. let's examine it let's look at it and then I'm really like when people come into my office and they're like my spouse is so bad and they want to talk about their spouse the whole time yeah. I'm like okay I hear about that but what about you in that dynamic yeah. where's your piece it's the family systems piece of how do you how do you contribute to the dysfunction in your relationship we don't really want to look at that right because it that takes means two to tango right it does but then we would have to actually be authentic with ourselves and go well how am I failing how am I contributing to all this chaos in my relationship nobody wants to do that these days um we get forced to do that in therapy and I say forced because we have to force ourselves at the end of the day how are you taught to deal with failures in your life oh interesting my parents were definitely overachievers and I think the idea of success was just ingrained in me I didn't Mm. really even think about failure because I was so focused on like well we're just gonna succeed and so I worked Mm. really hard I had really strong work ethic my whole life because that was part of my family values and when I failed I just kept going because I knew success was always around the corner I always had that in me that I that idea of like well doesn't matter because there's something better around the corner for me. Just keep going, yeah. Elizabeth. Just keep doing it. Yeah. And even now in my life, you know, and look, there are days where I definitely feel like I'm failing, whether I'm failing at motherhood or failing in my job or just not showing up in the ways that I want to. I think the, the antidote to failure, too, a lot of times in a, on a micro level is grace. So when you're failing or you're feeling like you're failing, bring in grace for yourself give yourself mercy and paradigm shift that for yourself okay I'm having a bad day I'm not on my a-game yeah fine okay we'll get back we'll get back there it's kind of getting in touch with your higher power within yourself as well just having like installation of hope within yourself of like you're gonna be okay you're gonna be fine it's one step at a time one day at a time that's why I feel like religion and spirituality or some sort of faith is so important in humans which so many people are neglecting to incorporate into their life you know and it's just so sad because what what else keeps you going if you can't keep yourself going 
yeah, we're the creators of our own destiny or demise, right? Yeah. So, so when I you think feel like that's you're... relinquishing control on some level. Yeah. And and surrendering to the process, which I find that when we loosen the noose to our lives, yeah. it's a lot, there's more ease. And when we're, we hold on so tightly to the things that we're, it's fear that holds us back though, really, if you mm-hmm. want to break it down. Like, why are we holding that noose so tightly? Why are we holding on to that relationship so tightly? Why are we holding on to that idea so tightly? Why can't we release it? And because behind that is fear. Feelings. Yeah, bad right? feelings. It's anxiety. It's fear. It's all of our demons just kind of coming up within us and we're having to face that we are not who we thought we were or things are not the way we hoped they would be. So facing your demons is one of the most important thing you can do. Yeah, we, I mean, we call it the shadow work in therapy, yeah. which is... Carl Jung, yeah, my I mean, favorite. Everyone should, it, should examine. It's self-examination at its core, right? It's the idea of getting to know oneself, digging in a little bit deeper, recognizing that our soul has so many facets and we're complicated yeah and while we have external personas we also have shadow selves and sides and those need tending to and being looked at just as much as the external does yeah it's I love what Carl Jung does with his archetypes the whole shadow and light attribute that you're talking about Um, when I was in therapy I was I wanted to incorporate more of that work into you know my therapeutic sessions and I realized that I had the archetype the caregiver where I take care of everybody I you know I'm like yeah it's me I'm so proud of myself <laughs> I'm really surprised by that one are you just kidding <laughs> um well lo and behold uh. the shadow of the caregiver is actually we secretly want to be taken care of. It's just when people try to take care of us, we don't know how to accept it. So we flip it back on them to take care of them. And I have found that I literally just realized this in the past like couple of months where I've been doing that in every single relationship that I've had. Friendship You're the caregiver. and yeah. But then I don't know how to be the receiver. Is the caregiver a secret resenter because they want to be cared for but don't know how to allow for it? And that's the shadow part of it Mm -hmm. where in Jungian therapy we look at and we go, well, why can't we allow somebody to take care of us? And that's the question I was asking myself. I'm like, why can't I just like receive love without feeling like I have to give something back? So because in my culture and in my family, it's rude to not pay forward you know, when someone does something good for you. But I've took that to a different level. That's like my lifestyle now. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. not even like, oh, thank you, Liz, for the gift. If I don't give you something back, I'll feel horrible. But I don't have to give, like some people just do things unconditionally, right? And And that's the point of a gift. It's given, I mean, that's the point of what a gift should be. It's given without intention of anything behind it it's because you want it's generous of heart right you want to give this to somebody to show in a tangible way your appreciation or love for them I don't know how to take that it's just the weirdest thing like I can give someone something and not expect anything back I'm fine Mm -hmm. with that but if god forbid they give me something oh my god I will like overgive and I overgive and I overfeed and I spoil people around me my friends my relationships and I've realized that mm-hmm. where I'm just like I need to stop I need to start giving to myself you know I'm so tired of I'm exhausted of like giving and then just like hoping that I can allow myself to receive but I never allow myself I'm not going to blame the person in front of me they're probably trying to give to me it's just I don't know how to receive so 
it's such an eye-opening experience to look at yourself in a relationship and see how you are contributing you know to the dysfunction and realizing wow like i don't want to do that anymore it's just not serving me and i'm getting older and i really want to kind of feel more comfy wumpy in my relationships and you know have kids and get married but if you don't know how to receive you're just going to be burning out and like i mean and that's the there's work in that too I, yeah. I i i'm sort of guilty of that as well like it took me a while mm. to receive without wanting to reciprocate and now yeah. i've really trained myself as i work through just dis- there's discomfort when you do it mm-hmm. and you're used to doing it another way yeah. it's gonna feel really uncomfortable oh, you're gonna God, be like yeah. this is super awkward like i'm gonna take this gift and not give anything back because that's not in my nature mm-hmm. but try it on for size because in a sense, when you accept something for yourself, it is a form of self-love and appreciation. Yeah. It's like, oh, someone appreciates me and I'm going to accept this for myself because I love and appreciate me too. It's so hard. Wow. It's Part so of the journey. hard. Yeah. But I have, I kind of made a vow to my higher self where I was like, I, I'll kind of tone it down a notch, but I will give people what they give me. I will not overgive. And I'm still practicing that. And it's hard. But I have to respect myself and know that, you know, I'm not a better person just because I'm giving more. You know, I don't need to prove anything to anyone. I know I'm a good person, whether I'm in a relationship with you, in a friendship with you, whatever it is. So I kind of went from overgiving to I'm going to give you what you give me. And then I can maybe go to, oh, they gave me more and I don't have to like overdo things. I don't even have to reciprocate that. And the person in front of me would totally be fine with it because they know that I appreciate it. So I haven't failed myself and the human race just because I'm not over giving going back but to it. But the next time someone gives to you, hold back on that part of yourself that's mm-hmm. saying I have to give back again. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, that's the next step. But right now I'm like, okay, I'm going to give to people what they give to me. And it's so hard. I mean, and you're touching upon something else, which is actually really important. It's that idea of reciprocity. Because mm-hmm. reciprocity is really important for life. Like, we're meant to be giving back and forth to people, I think, yes. in a reciprocal way. Not that everything is equitable, right? Like some one person's probably always going to be giving a little bit more. Yeah. But no one's, you know, in a in a in a relationship, you shouldn't be counting that stuff. It's not a quid pro quo situation. Yeah. yeah. It's when you're giving to a fault and it becomes o- overtly noticeable, right? Mm-hmm. I'm always calling this person. I'm mm-hmm. always showing up for this person. I'm mm-hmm. always there for this person. Okay, now it's my yeah. turn. It's radio yeah. silence. But. But it's never your turn because once it's your turn, you don't know how to take it. And you're just like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. The I'm good going back to the I'm good. I'm good. I got it. I got everything. And you're just like, I wish they would. That would be nice, you know. But it's interesting how, as you said, the idea of failure and how often it can come up in our life where we feel like we failed. And is failure even a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing. No, it's just part of life. Yeah, you're just like learning. So you failed. Okay. I actually so. find that in my life, my greatest lessons were in my failures and I gained strength through them. Yeah. 
I think I that, that. You know, most of us are the people we are today because of our failures, not because of our successes. I think success is great too, but I think it provides for a different part of our character yeah. and self. Totally, it builds character. But maybe there's more learning and grit in the failures than in the successes. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't, you know, again, just kind of like, how about the people that are afraid to succeed because they're so used to being in their chaos of the unknown, of working hard, of hustling, of torturing themselves that they don't know how to kind of appreciate and and experience the fruits of their labor, you know? But the fear of failure is greater than the fear of, of success. You would be surprised. I think people are afraid to even attempt things because they're afraid to fail. Yeah, you're right. But, but maybe it, it goes hand in hand. You would be surprised. There's something yeah. that accompanies success too that they couldn't potentially stomach either. It's um, it's an interesting thing when we talk about success because that means that you're getting to where you need to be. What next? And that's where the anxiety lies of like, okay, what next? Uh, for instance, people who become successful at really like an early time in their life, like in their 20s. Most people are not reaching their peak of their life in their 20s. They're reaching it in their mid-30s to 40s. So when we're looking and we're talking, when, when I have patients, for instance, and they're in their 20s and they've reached places where most people won't even ever reach for the rest of their life, they have this like existential crisis of like, what is my life about? Like, okay, what are we doing? We've reached every single milestone. I've got... I've literally reached every goal. I'm there. What are we, what's next? So that question of like, what's next is always there. If you're constantly failing, you already know, okay, this is going to be next and this is going to be next. I mean, we went to grad school for like 150 years. So like, I mean, when I graduated, I don't know about you, the day I defended my dissertation and I became a doctor, you know, the title, right? I sat in the car and I had this like dull melancholy like I don't even know what to call I was like I looked at the world as like oh my god it's so scary now what 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 do I do now what do we and everybody around me was like oh my god you're you're good you've done your doctorate you're a doctor 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 and I was just like okay so like what do we do now so how did I feel that I teach at Pepperdine which I love school went right back to that Uh, so I'm in a school environment then I started to build Hillside, gave me a challenge, constantly challenging me, right? Challenge every single day, have my private practice. Oh, there's another challenge. And you were one of the people that said, if you pick up one more thing, I swear, I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to like. But but that's the thing. You I live challenge. I live in the midst of my chaos, you know, mm. and it's like, OK, what would I do if I'm just like sitting around all day? You know what? What on earth would I do? A human being needs to f- have some sort of purpose in their life. Whether you fail at your purpose or you, you know, you succeed at it, you need a purpose in your life. And sometimes our failures give us purpose. They give us a reason to be better. Mm-hmm. And we might be scared of becoming successful because then what is our purpose? Okay, we got there. What do we do next? What next? So, what next? It's interesting, for so long in my life, I just wanted to get to the next step, whatever that meant for me, whether it was going to college, getting my master's, getting the doctorate. And like you said, the day it was all done, I sort of was like numb. 
yeah. I didn't have this like a late I think what's so funny and I've done re- like some research on this you know they talk about like the guys who win the world's cup right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the thrill of willing winning the world's cup is amazing it's it's for sure elating but there's it's not as exciting as they had built it up in their minds to be yeah and and this is what I'm starting to realize about life is that yeah. these big things that we build up in our mind when we actually arrive there they don't feel the same way as we had envisioned them to feel yeah. and so the day we graduated right and we're doctors whatever it's like okay cool <laughs> like I, I think I actually felt that yeah, I was a mom by people, then too so I had other priorities but but some people yeah. also look at you and go oh you're so ungrateful it's not that I'm ungrateful it's I have this has been my life so it's like it's not that I'm like okay whatever I have my doctorate it's not like we're feeling like that it's more like what the heck just ha- like what the hell just happened this is what we've been dreaming of and it finally happened but we never thought of what we would do afterwards and I you know? think my one regret when I do look back mm-hmm. was that I didn't enjoy the journey a little bit more yeah because I was so focused on getting to the end and what that was gonna feel like yeah when I actually when I look back I'm like gosh when I was in it and doing the hustle and doing the hard work I I wasn't in- present enough with that and, and savoring that I think a lot of people maybe forget to do that when yeah. they're trying to build something it's like okay you're in it right now when you look back those may be the best days don't take them for granted I don't think we're taught that though Liz we're not taught so when you succeed this is how you celebrate we always focus on the negatives I mean our parents it's not their fault it's not a like humans tend to focus on negatives more than they do on the positives so um But yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest takeaways is allowing yourself to fail, whatever that looks like, but also allowing yourself to be authentic with yourself and say things out loud that you're feeling, whether they're good or bad, without feeling like you are a failure. I also think there's another piece to that, too, which is like, where's the juice in the failure? When you go Mm -hmm. back and look in your mind's eye of the things that you failed at, like where was the juice and all that? Like yeah. there's something to that. There's a lesson. There's a thread. There's there's something that you can take from that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Incorporate it into who you are. Yeah. Take it with you. And then and then I think when you when you do that, you don't you're, you don't set yourself up the next time to fail in the same way. Yeah. Like you're going to fail again, but the hope is that you fail differently the next time. You don't keep repeating the same failure again and again and again. As our friend Freud would say repetition compulsion. <laughs> we love our Freudian repetitions <laughs> over here. But it's true. Like when like when I fail, I want to take that juice out, incorporate it into mm-hmm. into whatever lesson I need so that when I fail again, it's it's just a different lesson. It's a different yeah. failure. It looks and feels totally different for me. Yeah. I'm okay with that. What I don't want to do is continue to fail in the same way again and again and again and not get the memo. And expect different results. Yeah. So yeah. Let yourself fail. Let yourself succeed. Be authentic with yourself is what I would say. Say it out loud. If you failed, you failed. If you're having a good day, you're having a good day. If you're having a bad day, you're having a bad day. Hear yourself speak. And just allow yourself to be as authentic as you can possibly be within yourself. Gosh, to say I failed, the ego don't like that. Ego don't like (laughs) it, but it got to hear it. little crack in the ego yeah it's tough it's never fun but it's it's character building it is and that's exactly what we need to do 
as humans is build our character and become the best version of ourselves. I mean, mastering failure. Tolerating failure. Yeah. Yeah. Being that that is the mastery of it is is the tolerance of it. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for today. I think we were a success today. (laughs) (laughs) Or did we fail? Let us know. (laughs) 